Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everybody in between. Welcome back to the latest installment, episode 37, if my knowledge serves me correctly, of the Extra Cannon podcast in, of course, association with We Love You Arsenal Productions. Um, it's been a while, probably, since you've heard my voice. I think I was hosting on the last episode I featured on. But just in general, we are back with another Extra Cannon podcast to to get into to an upcoming fixture uh, this Saturday that's pretty exciting for most of us. It is the North London Derby, and I believe it is our home leg of the North London Derby. So very exciting for all the Arsenal fans out there. Um, this week, I am joined not by my typical partner in crime, Mr. Rob Worthington, um, as he is in Manchester dealing with some family issues, and we wish him all the best. Um, I'm joined instead by the other kind of member of this quartet from across the pond from me, Mr. Alfie Kearns Colshaw, our wonderful editor-in-chief. Um, Alfie, mate, how are you going? It's been a minute. What are you saying, lads? Yeah, yeah, it has. It has. It's been a bit. Been a while. Um, <laughs> been a I'm, while. It has. I'm glad to be back on the Extra Canon Podcast Show, as I always say. Uh, you know the big man stepping in and and uh, you know, giving the the little the little sideshow a bit of a visit. Yeah, <laughs> Such a it's cunt. it's it's so charitable of you, you rat. <laughs> exactly. <All right. laughs> um, um, what are you yeah. saying, Mac? Um, not much, just the intro. But you know, it's it's a pleasure as always to have you on, lad. And just in general, um, I think we're going to structure this show a little different than we might do when it's me and Rob. Um. Because it's the North London Derby, it's a big talking point and kind of the whole host-guest dynamic would feel a little bit off. It's just going to be a bit of a conversation, a little bit of a chat about the upcoming fixture. Um, y'all can expect some injury talk, some discussion of who might start, some kind of key points from perspective matches as well as looking back at the history of this fixture. Obviously, last spring and moving on from that, big disappointment. But just in general, I think, Alf, the right place to kick it off is with a piece of news that came out sort of last night or this morning, depending on where you are in the world. But it is the news that Emil Smith-Rowe, having dealt with four or five consecutive months of kind of constant lack of fitness due to a groin issue, is undergoing full surgery to get it repaired. Um, and his timeline is hoping to be back in full training by December. Just kind of run me through your reactions, your general opinions, but then kind of, yeah, just thoughts to start with. Yeah, I'm I'm gutted for him. He's going to miss the World Cup. He's going to miss all of the Europa League group stage games, which I think would have been a very good um, opportunity for him to get back to his best, uh, get minutes under his belt. Um. And I think, as you said there, it's, it's, it, it's quite clear it's been an ongoing issue for him. Like, he's been struggling with this for a while. I think the whole of his second half of last season, I think he was out for a few weeks. And then after he came back, he just never, we used it. I think we probably, Arteta probably wanted to use him more than they did, but he had to manage him very carefully. And he was sort of in and out of the side. Um, and it was clear that he was sort of carrying something niggling. He wasn't the same as he was in the first half of last season. And that's carried on throughout pre-season and into the new season. And it's a real shame for him. He's only had a handful of cameo performances. Um, yeah, I'm just gutted for him. I really, I'm a bit concerned about this player, I would say. Um, you know, it, it, he's he's proven that he's already pick, picked up a bit of a injury track record. And he's only, what, 22? Um yeah, he hasn't he hasn't had a long career, and he's already shown that he's 
he is susceptible to to muscle injuries um and just as an array of different injuries um which is a shame i think it's going to leave us very light particularly when we go into the europa league games but also in the league i think we will be we'll need to rotate um i did sort of my initial reaction was almost meltdown i was like that's him done for the season then i actually like contemplated the fact that it's only seven he's only missing seven league games because of the massive right. break for the world cup so he could still play a major role in our in our league season there'll be 24 league games after the after the world cup and it's probably good that he didn't come back and then rush himself into world cup contention again he'll get a full rest he'll get a you know an extended period in recovery and rehab um before he can even start playing again he'll probably get some pre-season uh, sorry friendly minutes over that sort of period before he can hopefully be fresh um and firing again in january but yeah really disappointing i think we'll see a bit more of marquinhos and reese nelson now um I don't know how comfortable I'd be with either of them coming into a big Premier League game at this point, um, which is why I think we'd shuffle the pack a bit. Maybe Nketiah would come in, Jesus would go out wide, or perhaps you'd bring Fabio Vieira in and um, play on the right. So I guess it's it's good news to an extent. I'm sure they don't want their teammate to be injured, but for the likes of Fabio and Vieira and Eddie and Nketiah, they're you know, even more in line for minutes now in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, to that point as well, you know when a player is carrying a knock. Like, sometimes you can just tell that the way they're playing, they don't entirely trust their body. I remember when Bellerin did his ACL and kind of came back. He had lost a step, but even more, he had lost so much confidence. And I think the rap that we've gotten on Smithrow, his his entire sheet is that he is a player that plays with swagger, with confidence, with style, you know? just inherently and to see that go missing at the end of last season really was was gutting it just felt really bad um so i'm glad he's getting the surgery and i mean to talk about his injury history i think a lot of that used to come down to lifestyle um he was never really the biggest on training and on kind of keeping himself in good condition with his dieting and loves Hernandez. he does love an from there as well <laughs> yeah, but I mean, around last Christmas, there was kind of a whole uptick and Arteta got to talking about how much he was really working himself back into fitness. Um, his only other major injury has been the uh, the issue he suffered in, I believe, the opposite leg during well, during his time at Leipzig when he was on loan, but he missed the whole season there. Definitely shouldn't be as jarring. I also think Smithrow, though he might have been in England contention, I mean, this might just be a hot take for me. I don't think he would have made the squad. And knowing the way that Southgate has been picking his teams, I don't think he would have even seen the field. Um, like, I it's think that's year. probably true. Like this time yeah. last year, if it had been this time last year, I think he would have been in the squad. But I think yeah. it's too much of an uphill battle at this point. I also think this time last year, and it's a it's a wild take. This time last year, I'm not sure Saka makes it. Like. I know, I know he held such kind of a key role in the Euros, but I don't know. There's just there's such an interesting way that Southgate manages his squad, and this can be a conversation for another time. But um, for example, called up Ivan Tony for like three friendlies, and then didn't give him a minute. Um, I don't know. I just it's an interesting philosophy, and obviously, there's everything about Maguire and Shaw, and all that steps into the rest of kind of the world, but. To bring it really back to Arsenal and back to Smith Rowe, I think that potentially this World Cup could really be great for him. Um, 
to have a time without the distraction, you know, to be able to watch good football and cheer on his mates who are going to make the England squad, whether that's Saka or Ramsdale or most certainly, you know, hopefully Ben White is kind of an addition to that as well. But yeah, I just think to kind of recuperate, come back into training and really get a solid foundation under him. I also think he is likely to step back into a dressing room that is a little bereft of first team players with all of our Brazilians, with Shaka and Odegaard gone. Um, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see kind of how he comes out of the international break relating to the squad and with his role in the team. Um, and that should be pretty exciting. But yeah, to kind of move on, I think, to some other squad injuries, is there anything else you want to say on Smith Rowe before we shift topics? Um, Not really, other than what you just said there. And that yeah, there's, there's some... There's some uh, some potential absentees that we have to speak about that actually relate to the Spurs game, which is what we're discussing from now. During that, um, in terms of absentees off of this international break, um, we can have, I don't know, like a little rating system. A lot of our players picked up small knocks and some of them should be fit. I will say Martin Odegaard is not a concern. He's been out long enough. He's back fit. He's in he full training. for Norway as well. Yeah, exactly. So no worries there. Um, a slightly bigger set of worries, though. I think Cedric picked up a knock, but that's all done and done with. Um, oh, so so worried about yeah, Cedric's exactly. availability for this uh, one. And I think availability also shouldn't be an issue for Ben White. Um, there was communication that he was constantly dealing... Was it an ankle or a hamstring? can't remember which. He was kind of dealing with a constant issue in his lower leg. Um, I believe it was an ankle. And he kind of went to the England squad and then was removed because of that. He never. Uh, he, yeah. he didn't get called up. Oh, he didn't. Oh, fair no, enough. No, no. Right. That was a yeah. uh, thing about that. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. You're right. You're right. But yeah. Um. Essentially, it has been confirmed that he is fully fit. It was just a niggle, and that he's kind of back in training. The two players I am a little more worried about, Alf, um, and talk to me about them are Thomas Partey, dare I say his name anymore, and uh, Take Tomiyasu, both of whom picked up slightly more serious injuries during international duty. Um, but if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving me the brief on them and on your opinions about their potential of missing this this massive fixture. So on um, on just on White quickly, I think the reason yeah, people uh, think something could be up with White um, is because A, he wasn't in the England squad. You're right, Arteta did confirm that he's fully fit, but then... The fact Tomiyasu was recalled because apparently the right. the, re the reasoning the Jap Japanese FA gave was um, because of club circumstances. So that doesn't sound like he actually picked up a knock, um, or perhaps he did pick up a slight knock. And Arsenal were like, "We don't want you to risk him uh, in your next game, so can you let him come home?" Um, I think he'll be probably be fine for this one. I think that was precautionary, but because of club circumstances suggest maybe they wanted him back to protect him because Ben right. White's picked up a knock, which we don't know. That's speculation. Um, my hunch is that they'll both be fine. Um, on Partey, so there's an interesting thing about Partey, which I actually wrote my piece yesterday. Go check it out. Um, about how we can conquer and how we can excel in this busy October period. And I spoke about Partey's fitness in that. There's this whole thing about how Partey never got injured at Atletico, and it's completely true. He, he had a very good injury record prior to coming to Arsenal. The thing was, he didn't play 
like substantial minutes every season. I think it's quite clear that the Atletico uh, background medical team recognised that just the, the mechanics of him, he he could be prone to injuries. He doesn't have the best stamina. He does right. tend to fade late in games. Um, and, you know, I looked at his 90s uh, for Real, uh, for Atletico Madrid in the three seasons where he was a uh, big part of their squad. Um, he never played more than 28.390s in the La Liga. He always played the big games. Um, he always played in the Champions League games. He played against Barca and Real Madrid. But he was often rested in, in small games. And that wasn't because he was injured, as I said. It was often because they just they clearly saw something in his mechanical in, in in him, in his body, that said, we need to protect him, we need to be careful, manage his minutes. Um and we obviously he's come here and we don't have the likes of Koke and Sal. We don't quite have the same depth they have. And also the Premier League, you know, it's more intense. There are harder games each week. So we don't have the luxury of sort of being able to do that. Um, which is a bit of a problem. And he's obviously picked, uh, there was some sort of knee discomfort. So he's left out of the first Ghana game against Brazil. And then the Nicaragua, um, he was recalled. He was, I think, see, the reason again, I think he might be fine is because there were reports to say Ghana were going to use him against Nicaragua, despite him have, missing the Brazil game because he had a slight knee injury. And the club were like, don't do that. Um, let him come home. It's a pointless friendly against Nicaragua. There's no value in playing him there. What if he gets injured and he then misses not just our next set of fixtures, but to Ghana, he misses the World Cup for them. You've got to protect him. So I think he'll be fine for this one. That's my hunch because he was going to play in that Nicaragua game, but we we decided. I think that's a good general point. I think we've become more staunch in our stance towards players on international duty we're better at yeah we're sort of communicating with these nations and saying we don't want our players to be used and stuff like that so i think he'll i think he'll be fine i mean i do hope so um you know precedent does not carry well towards a thomas Partey coming into a spurs game just off a knock um given that he almost single-handedly lost us in north london derby two years ago um now that is to say Spurs were the better side on the day, but also kind of their, their first two goals. Did they only score two in that match? I think they might have. I think scored. it was 2-0, yeah. Yeah, it was 2-0. We're both scored essentially because Partey pulled up and then stepped off the pitch for both. So, yeah, I, I suppose either way, um, there is the alternative. And you kind of mentioned uh, that fixture list. I would also agree. Go check out Alf's article. It is fantastic. But again, we play a bunch of big six sides during that month. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that the game with Manchester City has been postponed because of the PSV fixture. But we do still have to take on Liverpool and Tottenham in the space of three weeks. And that is no easy feat, especially with a Leeds United looking... Oh, in the space of energetic. a week. Oh, is it a week? Game, oh, yeah. They're they're back back. Yeah. We got they're Bodo back, yeah. in between them. Right. Ah, yes. Bodo glimped. I remember when we were making fun of Spurs for playing them in the Conference League and now they're in the Europa League. That's lovely. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but to kind of get on that topic, I do hope people are fit generally. Um, and I think one of the big keys, as you kind of sort of touch on in that article as well, is going to be rotation, is making sure that the players we need to be on the pitch at kind of key times are there to play, um, which will place an interesting premium on who starts in the Europa League. I'm th- I think I'm predicting a lot of 
Elneny, Lakonga, Marquinhos, and Reese Nelson, probably either side of Enketia. But to to hop off Bodo Glimt, because that's you know a week away from the day we record this, let's step back into Spurs and specifically into kind of talking about the match. Um, actually, before we do, one more piece of potential fitness news. Dan Kulisevsky has also picked up a knock. Um, it, you know, he's rumored to be fit for the game, but could be a thing to watch out for. But kind of stepping there's, into the match. There's also, yeah. just sorry to interrupt, no, uh, ahead, the, the Tierney and Zinchenko doubts. Oh, you're so right. You're so, so right. Yes. Um, Tierney, I think I'm more worried about just to talk about because he genuinely was like helped off the pitch during a Scotland match. Um, and Zinchenko's, if I'm correct, is the ongoing knee injury, correct? Yeah, we haven't heard anything about him. So yeah. and he's not played since United. So I think he might have come on against Zurich. I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah, for, I think he did like have a couple of minutes, but it'll be interesting to see if he can, you know, make it full time. Um let's see here. Yeah, I'm looking at news right now. There's nothing other than like Aston Villa. Um everything's from September and August. So no, no real updates carrying into, I say September and August, that's like we're in September, but earlier in September, I think the most recent injury update on Zinchenko is September 16th, um, which is, I believe, when he was laid off of kind of Ukraine duty for like a very slight calf injury, but I think he should be all right. That is, yeah. that is my big hope. On Tierney, um... He got. He played the first game, which was right. on the Wednesday after the Sunday game against Brentford. Uh, he played full ninety, and he was fine. That was against Ukraine, actually. Uh, and then it was the Saturday game against Ireland, where he picked up. It was a head injury, um, which is a bit concerning because he he then didn't play the third game, which was also against yeah. Ukraine, um, which is good for us. But I mean, it depends with head injuries because if it's a concussion. He most likely will miss this game. I think that's for, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. With with concussions, it's normally like a ten day period or something. You sh- you're not supposed to be like going up for anything like f- with your head. Um, but we don't know the extent of that head injury, so he could be fine. Um, but they, it's a little bit of a worry because if we don't have either of them, I guess it, there's a bit of an interesting debate as to what we do at left back. Yeah, and I would personally probably bring Tommy Asu in there. Um, if, particularly if against against yeah. Kulisevsky, one of the best uh, wide players at coming inside and swinging in those beautiful left foot crosses. Very Tommy, As- Tommy Asu on his right foot against that, I would be very comfortable with that. Agreed. Sort of like Ainsley Maitland-Niles did um, in our Project Restart campaign exactly. like against Mars and all of them. like Did a great job kind of stopping them from cutting inside. Just looking at injury updates now, a reminder um, that Mo is out Moel Nenny is out for a while. He had he has that thigh injury. Um, and that Reese Nelson picked up something, I believe, in early August. Yeah, but he's he's back. Yeah. Is, is he back fully now? Because I've may, not like, seen him in training videos, but yeah. I, I think he's back. He's been in training for a couple of weeks now. Um, I think he he might have a... I mean, he's not going to play against Spurs, but he might make no, the God, bench. No, God, no. But in terms of but, yeah, bench and then Bodo Glimt. Yeah, he might be ready but, for Bodo Glimt. Good news is that, just generally, um, our back line is fit. Um, Ramsdale, I think we've actually seen him pull up in the last couple of games, this little hamstring niggles, but no problem. Um, Gabrielle 
and William Saliba and Be- and you know pretty much Ben White are all fit and firing. Um, Granit Xhaka is fit as a flea. Bukayo Saka is fine. Gabriel Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus are fit and in good form. So about three weeks to rest. Yeah, we have a lot of our big pieces true, and the rest is going to be important because they had played every game before that. Um, God, the the thought of a fresh Gabriel Martinelli would scare the mess out of me if I were Spurs right now. Um, is and last question about Spurs is Christian Romero healthy at this point? Because I know he wasn't kind of before the international break. He, um, yeah. alongside Kulusevski, they've got. Uh, right, Larice is a doubt. I don't think he's going to be available, so they'll be playing Fraser Forster. Interesting. Well, that is both good and bad. Larice is a talisman for them, um, and he can actually kick a ball. But Forster, um, was it the Southampton game against Lloris us last is, season? Is the best distribution's poor as well, though. I th- well, yeah, but... Forster's probably better. Worse, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like it was Fraser Forster in that Southampton game last year who came up with some absurd saves to you know keep it i believe it was one one at the time anyway moving on um talk to me alf about some of kind of the most pivotal things about what you've seen from this spurs team this year what their big strengths are what we have to do to combat them and also kind of areas of weakness that you think we can exploit so me and daniel had an interesting conversation about this on the main show um, yeah on sunday was it sunday yeah it was sunday um and we spoke about Spurs just being a very strange team and it's reflected. They don't get the ball into the final third. Uh, you look at all the data, their final third entries, their touches in the final third, their field tilt, which is a very interesting metric that I, I'm becoming increasingly a fan of. Uh, Shocker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is the the percentage of touches in the final third. So let's say you have 100 the, in the game, there's a hundred touches in the final third, and Arsenal has have seventy of those tu- seventy touches in the final third. Then Arsenal have seventy percent field tilt. It's pretty simple. Um, Spurs are, are very bad at those metrics. Yet yeah. they they score goals, and they are the third best team in the league and XG difference. The thing about their XG difference is it sort of resembles so far a team that would uh, finish fourth like it's a fourth place xg difference which but it whereas ours and cities are title winning xg differences at the moment which is why i and i've said this a few times i think there's a ceiling on spurs's football the way they play i don't think they can push for premier league title playing this way because there'll be games where they can't sort of absorb pressure uh and then use their magical players and transition to get stuff they'll have to take the initiative more and break teams down and that's when they'll struggle. And I can predict how this game is going to go. Like I don't know the outcome, but generally the pattern of play is going to be us dominating possession, us having a lot of territory, a lot in the final third, and Spurs trying to hit us in the transition. It's going to be very like how they played against Chelsea. Um, but I think we're better than Chelsea at the moment, and we could do more. And Chelsea were very good in the middle of the park that game. Their Kante plan, who was very good. We don't we don't necessarily have that, but we have we can get into the final third and we can do more with the ball than Chelsea were able to in that game. So I'm I'm relatively confident for this one. I am I, I can't say I'm not worried about the threat they do pose okay. in the counter. But, you know, I know Son will score, you know, last game he scored two long shots against Leicester and he got the third. He's not gonna do that every game. I know last season he did <laughs> did it a lot. But there are signs of decline from him. 
And I think if you got him up against Ben White or Tommy Asu, I'm quite confident they can deal with him. I think if we press them and then they go long, um, I don't think their front, their back three is particularly great on the ball. So if we press them high, they go long. I'm quite confident Saliba and Gabriel can win those duels against Kane, particularly if they're airily. Um, and I'd, I'd, I'd back us. I'll back ourselves to retain the ball if that we force them to go long. It's whether we let them sort of build up play or let them um, play through our press on the ground. Yeah, and I think that was the key against Manchester United, really, wasn't it? It was the fact that when we allowed Fernandez and Eriksen to pop up in those half spaces, kind of either directly in between or directly behind our midfield line, and they just had all of the time in the world to kind of pick those long balls, that's where we can get torn apart. Of course, Marcus Rashford on the break is a little more dangerous than Harry Kane. He's significantly quicker. Um, although Kane, I think, makes up for it and hold up play and just general awareness of the field. But I think, just for me, my biggest two worries are letting them have kind of extended spells of possession down the back. Um, the one thing we have not faced yet this year is a team that loves to cross. And Spurs are a team that love to cross, especially to Harry Kane and now Hoiberg, actually, at the back post. Uh, Kane has scored like three or four back post headers and tap-ins this season. And whether that means isolate, kind of really making sure that Kulisevsky cannot, you know, have that cutback, the same with Son, or having more of a defensive presence, I don't know. But that's one thing, that's one aspect of this game that I'm worried about. The other thing is that um, I, I, I don't like Eric Dyer and I don't like him for a number of reasons. I don't like him because he's not actually very good at many things, but one thing he is impeccable at is his reading of the game. He's very good at anticipating where balls will go and getting there first. Um, that I, I think a lot of the conversation around England recently has been his role in the team and kind of, could he really help them? Um, it, with a team that has, you know, a, a really great amount of like ball playing and passing defenders, but some that aren't quite so good as anticipating. Anyway, um, that's into an, a different conversation. My point is that he has kind of been the heart of this Spurs defense this season, and he's been having quite a good season because their system is so prevalent on kind of sitting deep and stagnating opponents, and then hitting. It, with their classic Spursy counterattack system, very much kind of Kane dropping deep and feeding it wide, which again, I think we have the tools and the personnel to be able to stop. But it's just a question of kind of do we, as we have in recent years, allow them to sucker us into that game that they play, where, you know, oh, we're high up the pitch, we have this kind of false sense of security and possession. I think we pose a much greater threat than we have in recent years. And especially, I mean, if there's one man that Tottenham's Hotspur is afraid of, it is probably Gabriel Jesus because he gave them nightmares when he was at City. But I think at the same, we do, you know, it is at home. There is kind of that additional pressure really to win. And should we fail to really take a stranglehold on this game, I think in the first 30 minutes and especially in the first half, it could be interesting to see really how it divides as we tire and Spurs kind of having been so well rested from sitting on their heels all game, potentially have a good second half like they did when they beat Leicester, which, you know, whoop de doo amazing achievement. Leicester suck right now. But at the same time, five, like five goals, five, two, it's a convincing scoreline and there's no kind of way around that. 
6-2, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, you're right. Crap. <laughs> Forgot about that one there. Um, yeah, I'd second all of that. I think the crosses thing is really interesting. It's strange that... Because you don't normally get the sort of better teams being the heavy crossing teams. Uh, I guess Liverpool have it a bit with Trent, but... That is that's, one area. That's a difference. That's like a whipped ball to the back post. That's true. It's less, that's true. Yeah, they, they they love that. Kulisevsky loves that, and he's got a great left foot with that. Yeah, bending, uh, in swinger. Um, and you're right. Kane's got a few from there, and then on the other side, they got Perisic. He does it. Um, it's that would be an area of concern for me. Just that left hand side, our left hand side. I think it's worth a quick debate on Tierney versus Incheco. We've done it a few times this season already. Uh James Whiffing wrote yeah. on, right, for we love you Cody K. Um it's that classic do we play Zinchenko so we get an extra man in midfield, we can um sort of outnumber them in midfield. Uh we have another source of ball progression. We have probably more control on the game. Or do we look at Kulisevsky's threat and see, because I would be worried with Kudas. I don't think Zinchenko. Well, we've I've said it before. I don't think he's a great defender. And I th- I'd be worried about Kulisevsky one and one coming inside on Zinchenko. This is if, of course, if Kulisevsky is fit. Otherwise, it would be Richarlison, um, which poses his own danger. It does. But, yeah, um, I would rather, as much as I'm more scared of Kulisevsky, I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather Kulisevsky scores than Richarlison. Um, <laughs> You're right there. I had to pick one. I, I, oh I, I'm genuinely like, it's giving me nightmares thinking about Richarlison celebrating right in front of me. Um, but are yeah. you going to the game? I am. I should have said that earlier. Oh, oh Lord. Lord. that's what I was going to say. It's it. That's before just before the left back thing. It's going to be a ferocious atmosphere, and if we can oh, pressure yeah. the likes of Dyer and Romero and Davies or Longley, whoever plays. If you can get Gabriel oh, Jesus and Gabriel please Martinelli. Please let Longley play. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's, he's such a bum. <laughs> he's he's so not good. bad. I don't think he's bad on the ball, actually. No, That's but... I think he's a bad yeah. defender. Whereas Dyer and Romero, I'm not convinced on the ball. I think if you can get Jesus, Martinelli, Odegaard, great pressers yeah. at them early on, I can see them crumbling. Emerson Royale, everyone hates him. All the Spurs fans hate him. On the right side, technically very poor you get Martinelli just running at him. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Even with the Tierney over, over that, that's another aspect. What, what would you do if you have both of them fit? Would, who would you look, who would you favor? I think I would still favor Zinchenko. Um, he fits the system better. I think he allows, ah, do I lie? Am I lying to you right now? No, I think he allows Granit Xhaka more freedom, and Xhaka could use that right now. Um, I think he allows more flexibility with Martinelli as well, kind of allowing him to free roam a little bit more. Um, Having Zinchenko in the team does put more pressure on Gabriel to play wide, which I think then kind of slides Saliba and White across slightly. Do I mind that as much? No, because Odegaard will be drifting out to the right side anyway. Um, I think, essentially... And this is it's going to be a weird take. I think if Tierney plays, then the massive kind of... D- there's going to be, interestingly, more onus on Granite Xhaka in the center of the park, which I don't want to say worries me because he always has a game against Spurs, but kind of putting him more in that pole position could be scary. Um, 
but if I think if it's Tierney playing, I almost uh, sorry Zinchenko playing. I almost think that it's Saka who really has to worry and kind of work back defensively. Um, we've seen that oftentimes when our backline shifts to the left slightly, that kind of right half space where Saka is usually positioned well, but oftentimes not the most aggressive presser in the world. Um, I think he will ha- really have to have a game. But honestly, I think at six of one, half dozen of the other, really, I prefer Zinchenko with the current setup, with the way the team is structured. But also, I can see the argument that Tierney's had a very good couple of weeks and has been you know, in a place where this team has now consistently worked with him. I think, really, the, the correct answer above all is because they are both fitness risks. Whoever is more fit, I want to start because they both bring different things to the team. But I think dream scenario, fully fit, I want Zinchenko. See, I think I'll go Tierney. Um, and maybe that's the mm. sort of the my natural uh, tendency to worry coming out um, because I'm worried about the threat of Kulisevsky. Yeah. I think if you're really confident in your in yourselves and the way you play football and your system, you don't really look at the opposition as much, and you probably think, could uh, you probably think Zinchenko because I think he does. He'll give us more in possession. But I also think Tierney was excellent against Brentford. Or he was pretty good. Um, he looked like he's adapting to this new role. He's 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 able to tuck in and vert. Um, he he was very good at progressing the ball there. I think he he led. He was up there for progressive passes for us. In I think game. it was second most. Yeah. Yeah, and he was his progressive carrying was good. There was one moment where he won the ball, um, sort of just the edge of our area on that um, left hand side, and then he drove forward massively, drove inside, and found a square ball to Odegaard, who was like in the half space. Not Odegaard; it would be Vieira. Um, so yeah, I'm I I don't know. I'd favour Tierney just because he's he played against Brent. Uh, yeah, Brentford, and I think maybe yeah you know, meritocracy for this game. I think it's going to be a really game by game thing. I think on a sunny day at the Emirates against a lesser opposition, I think Zinchenko every day of the week, but I don't know. And yeah, I guess that says difference between me and you in terms of, (laughs) I I agree. But I also think there is one note in terms of Zinchenko in the first couple of opening matches, there were times when he seemed a little annoyed by the kind of, amount of options he has to pass to um you know coming from a manchester city system where he is used to having like six world-class players all in space at the same time i think there is the potential for him to get a little frustrated in the spurs match if they do really sit deep clog lanes make things hard um and you know there's something to be said for familiarity so i'm willing to like the choice literally for me is six of one, half dozen of the other. I think in terms of the way I'd like to see us play against Spurs, Sinchenko is better. In terms of countering the threat of Spurs, Tierney is better. So, you know, it, it's an idealism thing for me. But generally, I see it either way, you know. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I can see I can see both arguments. I think I think you do get... Because I, I, I think uh, Hoiberg and Ben Tanker... Are, have been overrated this season, personally. Uh, I think ooh, I think, I think their ball progression skills are not that great, and it's reflected in the fact that Spurs don't don't get the ball into the final third at all. They're like, I think they're like sixteenth or something. 
for yeah. final third ent- entries, Very which true. is mental for a team that's third, which is why it makes them such a strange team. Um, I think part of that is because their double pivot is just not that great at it. Um, part of it is obviously stylistic, but I do think if you get Zinchenko inverting and alongside Partey in there, and then maybe White doing a bit of that, I know he's sort of ostensibly more part of a back three, but he does sometimes sort of tuck in with Partey. If you get yeah, that, we are going to have a lot of joy against that pivot, I think. No, I agree. And I think, and I don't think, not to say that they've been overrated in terms of their ball progression, I don't think they were ever particularly rated in terms of their ball progression. Um, Fair enough. They, where they have been really useful for Spurs is in their tracking, their man marking, their physicality. Benton Kerr is quite quick and has often proved really good in terms of being kind of playing alongside Harry Kane and just giving a little like wall pass to bounce off of. Kind of he's the first man to step up and join that hold up play in the center oftentimes. But yeah, he also tends to play kind of on the right of their midfield and Jaka should have that pretty well squared away. Um, anything else you really wanted to touch on on Spurs? Do we want to do score predictions? I think lineup is pretty set in stone with the exception of the Tierney-Zinchenko debate, so I'm not really sure we have to go over it much, but anything else for you? Yeah, I think if everyone's fit, we know what the team's going to be. Exactly, because um, we've known White, all season. Yeah, White keeps his place. Um, Agreed. It's just about Tierney-Zinchenko. Yep. If Partey isn't fit, it's probably Sambi. Um, well, it has to be. Yeah, <laughs> it no has one else. Um, and yeah, the front three is pretty much nailed on. Um, I think, yeah, I think yeah. tactically we've covered it pretty well. What yeah. we can expect. Um, I'll just I, a little I, 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 That the only yes. other thing I just want to say, he will have an impact coming off the bench. If I had to guess, yep, him and Ketia. Yep. Um, I don't know if I want to do a score prediction. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I want to like jinx it and stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to let it ride. Honestly, I've got butterflies just thinking about it. So. Oh, I'm, I'm shitting myself already. Oh, it's so, oh my god! It's such a big one, and it's horrible as well. It's like mad early for us here in the states, and there's it, it's a big night out here at my my uni the night before. So I'm I've got a friend visiting from home. I'm gonna be violently hungover. I'm very excited for it. Not really. Um, um I've got yeah. a because there's rail strikes on Saturday. Right. Yeah, yeah. In the UK, I and obviously I'm in Brighton at the moment at my uni house. I may have to come down tomorrow night. Early. Yeah. yeah tomorrow night and then stay um and i'm meeting someone in the tollington at 11 30 oh, so an early morning beer before the game class uh, yeah class i'm looking forward to it though yeah should be fun um anything else you'd like to go over before we wrap this one up not specifically no Lovely, mate. Well, um, in that case, do me a solid and in in extra canon podcast tradition, shine me a spotlight. What do you have for me? Spotlight. I love this. Um, I've got to come up with something that's not just a plug. You do Uh, indeed. Well, you can plug something as well, but I will will plug my article from yesterday. Yeah, Um, go ahead. We love your arsenal.co.uk. Go go read it. Forward slash. Forward slash. I'm not going to read it. I can't remember. What nah, it is, no, you're good. <laughs> I need all the dashes, but it's something it's, yeah. it's to do with the fixture schedule coming up and how we can sort of rotate and deal with that. Um, so yeah, go read that and a spotlight. Oof. I haven't thought about this. Come back to me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about this um, and I've been, 
kind of I've been really captivated by watching Champions League football this year. And and a team that's especially fun to watch is Napoli. Um taking a little international swing on this. I I don't know how to pronounce his name. There's so many amazing players. Um so the, the club is uh, the guy with beginning with K. Yeah, so Carrot Chavella or something like that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, they've got Andre Frank Zambo and Gisa, who has been, up until this moment, Love him. my favorite name in soccer. I, I think he could be an amazing player for us once Partey goes. Um, and I've believed that for a while. They've got Spurs reject Tongi and Dombele. Chucky Lozano and Victor Osimhen are having, you know, typically amazing seasons. But really, it's it's their new left winger. Um, <laughs> I'm going to try this. Whew. It's Kavicha is his first name. Um, and I think it's Kavarachkela is his last name. Yeah. That's he how is, it sort of sounded in commentary. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Um, he is Georgian as in the country, not the state. Um, and he was kind of, I, I listened to a lot of, you know, very international soccer podcasts and a couple of my favorites were like pegging him for big things at the beginning of the season. And I was like, huh, other than a cool name, not really sure about it. The kid's nuts. Go watch Napoli highlights. Go check him out. He is going to be a superstar and there is really no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to do a similar thing to that. Oh, big up Napoli Good. as well. Cause yes, that's big where up Napoli. Naples is where my Italian family's from. Um, but on the yeah, I'm I'm gonna shout out a national team, and it's I think it's one of the only national teams because I've me and Daniel spoke about international football a lot yeah. in the main show pod. We had a lot of negative things to say about it. Fair if enough. If there's one team that I think actually function well and it looks like they've got a functioning system, and I don't know how they they've managed this, I think it's just really good coaching and selecting having continuity in their team selection. It's Denmark. Yeah. Oh my they, God, they're balling as well. They are. They did it in the Euros. Yeah, I think it's enough. They like they have an outside shout to be dark. I'm gonna give them dark horses already to do well in the World Cup. That's my shout. I'll also give a shout to Switzerland, and also you know what? Shout to Denmark for their kit thing. Um, If you've not seen this, they announced today that they will be running no sponsorships on their kits, um, and that their national logo and Hummel B logo will be will essentially be made to blend in with the rest of the kit. Um, their kind of tagline was not drawing attention to themselves and not drawing attention to a World Cup that has cost thousands of people their, their lives in the preparation of it. Um, shout out Qatar, Qatar, however, with all of their wonderful human rights violations and screw you, you know, EA and FIFA for choosing money. Um, shocker, right? But yeah, just in general, um, this has been a wonderful extra canon podcast um i do have to run like very immediately to get to a work shift but it has been a pleasure speaking with you all today um alf any any last words before we sign off no not really thanks very much mac yeah lovely um been a pleasure having you on buddy and just in general please like comment share send it to your grandmother your school teacher um give it to all the people you know and love This has been the Extra Cannon Podcast, episode 37. I've been Mac. It's been a pleasure, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.